I always pictured I would be one of the greatest Become every sense of the word and stun on those who hate it Something that I was giving my parents and couldn't take it Resilience to every stone that was cast, I demonstrated Every stone I put in bracelets, beauty underrated Was told to believe if you're not a scholar, get it Welcome to another edition of the Robin Rod for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruin, along with my co-host, Rob McLean. What's good, bro? How are you? What's going on, bro? Before we start, I just want to say thank you for the person that we got on the show today. Mm-hmm. His hard work, what he did producing, what you, we all know what he produced. Mm-hmm. We needed that in the world at the time, so I just want to thank you to that, brother. Absolutely. So we, we have, you know, Baylor, track star, ESPN producer, and, and most of all, we want to celebrate the fact that he's a father. You know, um, definitely killed the game with releasing this uh, Last Dance documentary. So, Derwin Graham, what's good, bro? What's going on, fellas? How you doing? doing good, well. man. Glad to have you here. So, man, just before we get started, man, when did you really get into rollerblading? Because we talked before, and you be killing it on the ring. I heard. Talk to me about man, that. Man, the crazy thing is, I've been doing it for, like, two years. Just like, uh, I went skating. We had, like, somebody invited me to an event, so I went. They didn't have my size in roller skates. So I was like, ah, oh, I got to wear a size 14. I wear a size 11. Mm. And I was like, now nah, let me just order my own shits just in case, just because <laughs> I like to do stuff like that and bowling. So just to have my own stuff, you know, you can't hoop in nobody else's shoes. So you like to have That's your own stuff. So from there, I just started going a little bit more, started going to some adult nights, started meeting some people and saw like, it was a bunch of black people out here still pushing that movement forward. So just kind of mm-hmm. fell into it. That's crazy. Yeah. I never been roller school. I'm just kind of scared. <laughs> Yeah, nah, I'm I'm not I'm not strong enough for that just yet. Nah, anybody can do it, man. That's the crazy thing. All you gotta do is like get your own skates and come out like once a week, maybe, and it's easy to catch on to shit. So, so I have to ask you, man, what is your definition of a father? My definition of a father. Okay, we coming up with the heavy hitters already. Uh, <laughs> father is somebody that's gonna um just love you unconditionally. Somebody that's gonna be there to uh, guide you in this thing that we call life. Somebody that, that's going to show you the way, show you the ropes, and help you come into your own as a, a, black, a black man, not just a man, a black man. And that's what I try to do with my son. You know, I try to um, show him that despite the negative stereotypes and um, the things they try to place upon black men in the world, that um, I can be here for him and show him that, hey, a black man could be seen in a positive light. So um, yeah, despite the negative aspects that come with being a black man, I'm going to show him that, hey, I could be a good black father, a black role model to him. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely feel you on that. A lot of you know we fight that, well, not we, but just as black men fight that stereotype, and uh, we definitely mm-hmm. here to you know give you your flowers on that because that's real important. You're really the bridge that's going, you know, fill a lot of things for him, you know. So it's it's definitely really good that you're there for him in that light. Um, what's a few lessons that you would say that you've learned from being a father so far? I learned how. To, um just buckle my, my pants and pull myself up by the straps and uh, just handle my shit. You know, um, I had my son when I was going into my junior year. Yeah, we so that was a real eye opener, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a real eye opener. I found out um, the day before my mom's birthday, I found out I was having a son. Wow. And it just flew my whole world upside down. I was like, okay, I need to really get on my shit. Like I can't yeah. be out here playing games with like class and stuff. So I took, school and stuff a lot more serious and I was just about handling my business and that's uh being a friend makes you really just look at yourself in the mirror and be like hey what do you want to do in this life how are you going to help provide for your son or your daughter or your child and 
um, yeah, just makes you just wake up and just get on your grown man shit, pretty much. And your son is during the third. Was there any pressure just yeah, trying to continue that legacy? <laughs> <laughs> man, it's a funny story. Because um, I'm all for, like, the father, you know, everybody wants, like, Rob Jr. or something, you know. So um, <laughs> it's just, you you know, you want to carry on that legacy. So um, I was debating back and forth, like, hey, do I want him to be during the third or do I want him to have his own legacy per se? But I feel like he can carry right. his own legacy, but also carrying on that name. So it was just my dad named me Derwin Derwin Jr. So I just felt like at least have my first son be Derwin III. So it was a lot of back and forth, but we ended up going with that. No, I feel that. I, I hear a lot of people say that sometimes, you know, like I even, we even heard LeBron say that, you know, it's tough just, you know, putting that type yeah. of pressure on them. Like, do they already not have their own identity? So, um, yeah, I think that that's really important too. Um, talk about, you know, your debut and your father's relationship. You know, obviously he was All-American back in 1985 when he was killing it as Baylor as well. But just talk about, you know, if you don't mind, how your relationship has helped you benefit with your son's relationship. Ah, man, my man did his research, man. Dang. Let's do it. Kudos to you, man. <laughs> but no, our relationship has always been good. That's um, It's kind of like uh, if you see Boys in the Hood, uh, Trey Styles and his dad, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're like best friends in a sense. Not even like also father and son stuff. Like, it's more that that's like one of my best friends. So I know I can always go to him for anything. He was the first person I called when I found out I was having my son. So he was just a real, just calm, collective person I could go to and just talk about anything. So um just in that sense he was not only just a father but like a best friend uh, that's what i try to bring with me and my son like me and we'll play Beyblades, and we'll play the uh, nintendo switch and nintendo wii and stuff like that all the time so that's i want right. to show him that hey I'm, I'm your father but i'm also like a friend and somebody that you can like confide in and talk about anything don't feel like you gotta hide anything with me like i'm here to keep it real with you keep it real with me and um he sees that and he knows that he can always have fun with me and also come with me to like just help him if he needs anything and help guide him. So um, that was something me and my father instilled in me and I looked at instilled in my, my son. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely salute to you on that, bro. That's that's real big. Yeah, and um, all those memories count. And you took your son to the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. That's a memory that he's going to remember for the rest of his life. What was that experience like? Oh, yeah, that was dope just because he's, uh, he's at that age where – Sports are starting to come into his life. He's starting to peak, uh, show some interest in some sports. So taking a, a, where all the greats are in and show them, hey, like, you could be here too. Like, some of the people that are here started off the same way we started off. So, like, you see this, this could be your dream or something. So he's starting to get tall and stuff now. He's starting to know how to handle the rock and stuff, starting to work on his little jump shot. So, I mean, he's getting to the point where he's got an interest in sports. So just taking him to that place where, hey, if you're – hard working and you're on your stuff, um, handling your grades in school and stuff, you can get to this level too. So um, that's that's a memory that he forever cherishes and he talks about it to this day. So um, it was cool just to get him up there for the ESPN discount too at that. So shout out to <laughs> for the, the ESPN discount. So it was cool. That's a fact. We need all of that. Discounts and everything. <laughs> is this, real, is this a sport that you wouldn't let your son play? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty much open for anything, really. I mean, Baseball, baseball makes a lot of money despite, That's I mean, true. there's not too many black people out there playing it baseball, does. but they make money. So, um, mm-hmm. If he decides to play baseball, even soccer, you know, soccer is like the biggest sport in the world, but um, we don't just see too many people that look like us playing soccer like that. So if he decides to do that and do his thing in that, like by all means, I'm going to push it hard, but if he decides to do like track and basketball, track especially, like mm-hmm. that's, that's 100%. All in. All in. <laughs> all in, man. Like my dad ran track at Baylor and stuff. <laughs> 
yeah, the jeans. So he got the All American. My dad was professional for a minute, running with Nike and stuff. So it was cool just seeing stuff like that. So if he decided to go with like track, he definitely has myself and my dad, people that are like experts with track and fields, kind of back them and showing the way. So definitely uh, open to all sports for sure. Maybe football. I'm, I'm on the fence, you know. <laughs> The CTE stuff these days and the helmets, so yeah, you know, all the reports and the Crazy. yeah, the studies coming out about that. So yeah, that would be the only question mark. But if it was all for it, like I would support it, but kind of be hesitant, you know. But yeah, it is what it is. I feel you on that. You're not only a father, but you're working at ESPN too. How are you able to manage in the balance of doing both at the same time? Uh, I do pretty good. Um, it's definitely difficult being my son is still back in Texas where I'm from. So um, luckily we have things like FaceTime and Skype and stuff like that now to where I could talk to him on a regular basis to where I still feel like I'm there and I could be a supportive father, call him after school and stuff and help him with homework and stuff like that. Um, so I really don't really miss out on a whole uh, – my work schedule is pretty flexible, so I'm able to, like, take off and leave whenever – uh, I haven't missed a birthday yet, so I was able that's to get crazy. down there despite having to work and stuff. So I'll just bring my work stuff, and I'm able to yeah, work no, that's remotely good. like I'm doing now. So, um, so yeah, like stuff like that. Um, I ended up missing actually um, one of the shoots for the last dance. Actually, mm. I missed one of those shoots to be able to go down back to Texas to go see him and spend some time with him. So um, definitely just co-managing stuff like that, seeing what's um, a priority with work, um, seeing if it's if I'm able to do it remotely versus having to go into the office and then it, it allows me to go back and forth between Texas and here with no problem. So um, it's definitely smoother than people would expect it to be from Connecticut all the way to Texas. So um, it's a blessing, man. Derwin, I got to ask you, man, what's going through your mind when you, you have like a dream job on your hands, but your son is in mm. Texas. That's, that's a Man. tough decision. That's like, tough, what, what's yeah. going through your mind when it's like, yo, I got to chase this dream, but I got to be a full-time father as well. So just walk us through that moment. And definitely rough. Um, when I got the job offer, when they called me, I was excited, but I was also like, damn, like, I'm going to have to be away from my son. So I couldn't really just fully be happy for, you know, getting the job offer like that. Mm-hmm. First thing I did was – um. I called him, talked to him a little bit, talked to my parents, talked to his mama. And then I waited maybe a couple of days before I replied back with uh, the acceptance. And I was just like, man, uh, I feel like by going out here to Connecticut, it'll help me in the long run trying to set him up in the future for success. So now that I got my name and stuff like the Jordan documentary and all these other 30 for 30s and projects that we have, I feel like um, that's helped me out for the future. So I'm able to get a, a higher paying job or something. And then I could give him all the stuff that I didn't have growing up so he could have it and stuff and be like, oh, I'm set. Like, he'll never have to ask for nothing now that, you know, I'm out here. I had to sacrifice and come out here to Connecticut versus staying back in Texas with him. So um, it was definitely a, a, a tough choice to make. I think in the end, he'll appreciate it much more and um, be like, man, that was my dad worked at ESPN. That was real cool. So, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite 30 for 30? That Bruce Lee one was tough. Yeah, man. Well, off top, no crossover. That Allen Iverson. I'm an Allen Iverson fan. I got an Allen Iverson tattoo. You know, only strong survivor <laughs> tattooed on my leg. So that's tough. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So <laughs> that's my life for life right there, man. He was the reason I wore number three in basketball. The reason I had grade from first grade all the way to, to high school. So um, <laughs> def- definitely no crossover. Uh, shout out to my boy Allen Iverson. Um, actually met him this year uh, at All Star Weekend in Chicago. Mm-hmm. 
So right. that was cool. That was a nice little bucket list check off. But um, between that, um, of course, the last dance got to be up there now. That was a real cool one. Um, 9.79 about Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson, the track and field one. You know, we don't have too okay. many uh, 30 for 30s on track and field. So that's an underrated, underappreciated one that uh, I really enjoy. So. What's 30 for 30? Um, me, I'm a Fab Five guy. Fab Five guy, okay. It's a classic, yeah. It's a I classic like that one. Bruce Lee one for real. Yeah, that Bruce Lee one is tough, man. It's different too. So. It was different, yeah. I was I really like- excited when we got pushed that one out. I like how I mentioned a lot more about like what he did for acting too. That's some of the things I didn't even know about for real. Yeah, Bruce yeah. Bruce Lee so chop you up. Real good. Yeah. <laughs> which which one of the ESPN you know thirty for thirties really is like a blueprint for you? So like when you're going to create, which one do you really lean on and say you know, this is what I'm thinking about. I should really like really push from. Well, we always gonna try and live up to um, the standard that. OJ made it in America kind of set up like that was the one where like man this is one of the greatest the documentaries pinnacle. of all time yeah regardless of this is sports or just regular documentary so um I think we go in trying to reach that status as far as just putting out real high quality storytelling and just um doing everything we can to tell an effective story both in a sports aspect and just a, a normal just good documentary aspect so I think um we kind of keep that in mind but for the moment we just for um, high quality stories that uh, will hold interest to people that are watching, both that are sports fans and just regular people that watch TV, like the average Joe out here. So um, I think we kind of go into it like that. Let's talk about that last dance. What was it like working on something that the whole world was tuned into? Man, it was um, it was real cool, man. When I first got the job offer, it was like right off the bat, like, yeah, once you get here, the first <laughs> thing you'll be working on is the Jordan documentary. I'm like, Oh, like, <laughs> okay, that's that's a monster right there. I just don't know. So I got here the first day, just working straight on that. And, um, it's just been cool, just uh, communicating with the whole team and uh, just being able to be a key component to make that happen. Even pushing it out as early as we did, um, it was just cool that we were able to come together and uh, be able to push that out for the people to tune in. And, and I was glad to have a, a strong hand in that. Uh, with the archival footage being the archival producer of our ESPN footage over here. Um, pretty much majority of the stuff that you see that wasn't shot from them was it came from stuff that I found and thought would look cool in the episode and stuff. And I'm glad that a lot of stuff that I pulled up making those final cuts. So it was cool to see yeah, a bunch I of my stuff. That. I'm sitting here watching with my friends like, hey, I found that shot. <laughs> um, yeah. I produced the, um, the commercial breaks, the vault and stuff like that with stuff that I produced with uh, me and my manager. We co-produced that together. So just being able to uh, just be a part of history, man. It was just um, a blessing to be a part of it. Uh, just thank you for the journey. When you, you say the vote, part. you're talking about those moments where um, the anchor was on TV and he was saying, like, what if you're in this yeah, moment? Yeah. yeah, Those are so fire, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah nah, hats off to you on that, bro. That was that was super, super fire. Yeah, it was like he traveled back in time, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nah, they exactly. put me in positions where, hey, do you want to do this? And I'm just happy to take advantage. Absolutely. Of this, so. Yeah. If there's one thing you could change about the last dance or how you executed it, what would that be? Uh, honestly, I wouldn't change anything. Um, if anything, probably give it more time. I know it wasn't scheduled to air till the summer, and we ended up pushing it out super early. Um, besides that, I think it came together perfectly. Everything went as smoothly as it could, especially with the whole coronavirus, COVID-19 thing going on. So um, yeah. uh, I would probably just change the fact that um, 
everybody that worked on it, we didn't get to all come together at the end like we planned on having like the last dance after party and just embracing mm-hmm. each other in person. We had to do it via Zoom calls and stuff like that and do our little toast at the end like that. But um, <laughs> yeah. besides that, you know, it would have been cool just to see everybody, see the director in person, maybe even see Mike in person. So, um, yeah, besides that, like everything else was cool. Like I think it went as smoothly as, smoothly as you could ask it. So. I like how, like, though it was an MJ documentary, it was basically a Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls documentary, right? So, like, was that planned or did that stuff, like, come natural, just focus on, like, the other players around them? See, so the thing is, people naturally like to say, hey, it's the Jordan doc, it's the Jordan doc. But even, like, I call yeah. myself saying, yeah, you know, the Jordan doc. But really, it is about the Bulls. It's that, that 90s Bulls team. That's the documentary. Mm-hmm. That's the main focus of it. But um, I think it just came with Jordan stuff, and um, it allowed for other people to come in and have their own little side stories, like a little stem to a tree branch or something, and let them tell their story that kind of goes into it all. And it was just interesting to see those because we know, yeah, Jordan was the GOAT and whatever, but it's also cool to see Steve Kerr's story, what all went into him and how him and Jordan both lost their fathers. So just yeah. to see that kind of tie in and that made their story better because, hey, okay, they had that connection, they're able to uh, connect like that and form a bond like teammates never had before. So yeah, whose decision was that? Oh, that's definitely like the director in that team right there. Okay. So that's, so they, okay. they did a good job with the whole starting in like 1998, going back to 94. Yeah, and then switching yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Fire, and with fire. the timeline, that was, <laughs> that was something real different that um you don't really just see in too many documentaries. So that was an interesting take that um it, it ended up paying off in the end. Like I thought it might be a little confusing at first to people just watching, but I feel like um, people were able to keep track and um, it just made for a cooler storytelling. Yeah, so you know you have a lot of different players now that are coming out and saying their real feelings mm-hmm. about everything that's going on. What do you say to people that really think that you guys that created this tried to hide a few things about Jordan? How do you feel about that? I mean, you're always going to have people that have negative things to say about it. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, I mean, it is what it is. Um, of course, it has some say-so in it just because he's going to be on camera and stuff. But at the end of the day, it made for good storytelling. We kept it as, you know, as honest as, as it's going to be. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> no, I definitely respect that. <laughs> What's your next project? Like, if you could pick one play that you could do right now for a next documentary, who would it be? Ooh. Yeah, who's missing? Like, who's that one yeah. that you need to do? Man, if it was me personally, I would do more more of the sports that people don't really just see like i'm a track and field guy so it'll be cool to see more track mm-hmm. and field stuff out there maybe like michael johnson you know michael johnson's like the mj of track so right. it'd be cool just to see something like that or usain bolt type of thing you know mm-hmm. um maybe even like the houston comments or something you know the only team the four p in WNBA or nba so just something okay. different you know yeah. that'd be pretty neat i don't know what's I have to ask you though, why didn't why didn't you guys include any footage of Jordan playing on the Wizards? See, a lot of people had that same question. And we gotta keep <laughs> in mind it's not just the Jordan dot, it's the nineties Bulls. So okay. yeah, it would have been cool to mention that, but it was more so just solely supposed to be about the nineties Bulls in that time frame versus just Jordan himself. Then you could come and include the Wizards and stuff like that. So that's why we didn't include that because, you know, I was thinking the same thing, but then I had to snack and be like, oh, it's, it's just 90s Bulls, so. Okay. But that, that would have been cool to see, though. It would have yeah. been dope, but I definitely, I mean, if that's your angle on it, that's the angle. Yeah, yeah, so, I don't know, maybe 
little 30 for 30 short or something. Jordan. Was <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely hear you on that. So now you, you push into really killing it at Baylor. For me, for one, how do you even become a, a long distance runner? Like, where does that even start? <laughs> um, and shoot, it started being kids just on the block. My dad would have me and my brother just racing, and he noticed that I had a speed like that, but I had some endurance <laughs> on me. So did the little summer track. He, he threw me out there in like the 800, and I was in meat stuff. And Ooh. okay, well, we're going to bump you up, trying to do the mile. Bump me up to the mile, started winning those that races. mile is no joke. And from there, just. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, joke. Yeah, not nah, the mileage beastie. <laughs> the yeah, man. Beastie. So that, was, that, was, that was my bread and butter, right? Just the distance running of PRs in the miles, like 406 and stuff. Um, so, you know, I just I was just good at distance running. So I stuck with it through high school, ended up being an All-American in high school, getting recruited by pretty much any school you could think of. Uh, I got to find the old footage of me committing because I did it kind of like how, you know, football players doing stuff. Like the videos? Hoodie on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the basketball stuff, that's wavy. A little brother like that. Yeah, nah, if you get that, you got to send that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. It was like me and my brother came down to um, Baylor, A&M, and Arkansas. Those were my final three schools. And then I had my younger brother come up and was like, hey, make the decision for me. Like, pick what school. And then he like, oh, talks at the hats. Like, uh, and then he act like he's about to toss the Baylor one. Then he came and put it back on. And I took my off, had the Baylor shirt on and stuff like that. That's fire. That's fire. Yeah, that is yeah, fire. It was cool, man. I, I got to find that video somewhere at the crib at my parents' house. But, um, yeah, that's how I stuck with long distance. I saw that um, it could get me to college and pay for my education. So I'm debt-free. Mm-hmm. Got a whole degree from Baylor University. And um, I thank track and field for that. It took me a long way. So definitely blessed and humbled to be, uh, be able to say I don't have to pay debt. Sally May, I don't owe no money, nothing. So, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> loans is different. All good. The Very. loans, man, they're different. Very. Yeah. I got to ask fun you. Fun fact. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was about to hit you with a fun fact. Last oh, year, when I first got to uh, I got to ESPN in January, in July, they had the company mm-hmm. 5K run. So, I was just like, okay, I'll run in with my coworkers and stuff. She was Smoke up the whole ESPN 5K. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy. <laughs> ESPN champ. It put the cheat code out there. ESPN champ. That yes. sounds nice. They ain't yeah, know, man. That's they ain't nice. Nah, that's a fact. I gotta ask you, at Baylor, were you the best long distance runner on your team? Yeah. Um, I was usually that, yeah, like that. You guys, yeah. <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, I was the number one or two guy pretty much um all four years being at Baylor. Uh, co-captain of the cross country team my junior and senior year, so um. Definitely, uh, I wasn't no slouch out here. You know, I was just out there, just up there, all conference and stuff. So I was always like a top contender to win and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I was my name whole weight out there in the Big Twelve. So you know, <laughs> nah, and we know that um, you did some coaching as well as Texas Southern. Mm-hmm. How was that experience Ooh, like? The boys went went deep <laughs> in their research bag. Yeah. And did you see anybody <laughs> yeah, so- that reminds you of yourself back in the day? So, yeah, um, after I graduated from Baylor, I moved to Houston. Me and my brother got a little apartment together. And uh, when I was trying to just figure things out, figure out my next move, I was like, hey, I got an offer to be the, the head cross-country coach and assistant track coach at TSU. Shout out to TSU, Texas Southern, me in the building. Um, and we ended up winning indoor swag championship and outdoor swag championship for the first time in, like, 15 years maybe. And, uh, it was just cool being a part of that. You know, I had I coached, I ended up coaching the uh, indoor champion in the mile and the 1500 for outdoor. Um, everybody that I coached PR by like five seconds, PR means their personal record. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just cool just to come in and, and just have an automatic effect on those guys. As soon as they came in, uh, they just had somebody 
that can coach them and stuff like that because a lot of them guys had never been had a, a coach or anything. So just that somebody just leaving them and pushing them on. It was just cool to see that look in their eyes like, hey, this dude. Plus, I was kind of young still, so I was still in that age. So they could like, relate to you. Yeah. yeah, they could yeah, relate yeah. to me, and they really respected me too. So um, it was just cool just to see that and see them really give their all to everything that I was doing. Uh, despite me just still trying to figure it out you know i'm still a year or two fresh out of college so you know i don't know how to fully coach i just know what works for mm-hmm. me so let me just see what i can do to switch it up and make it work for them and a lot of the girls, those guys ended up getting medals and stuff and placing that conference and um yeah it was just cool uh, a couple of the guys kind of reminded me of myself um the dude the one the mile indoor in the 1500 outdoor he kind of reminded me of myself he was um, a real good dude uh built just like me and stuff had the quickness and stuff. So I really kind of pushed him to uh, try and just be the best he could. So um, he ended up doing real good in life too. He ended up graduating. All my guys ended up graduating actually. My final dude that I coached, he graduated last year. So it was cool mm, to see them why. not only excel on the track, but off the track. And I really pushed him to do that. So it was cool. Yeah. You know, TSU forever in my heart. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's dope. That has to be a good feeling to know that, you know, you impacted a group of guys, you know, that really helped you know, build their development. So, yeah, that's super, super dope. Before we leave the track topic, I have to ask you, what was your feeling when you and your teammates set a record in the men's distance relay for nine minutes and 53 (laughs) seconds? Like, well, at the time, it was like the 10th best in school (laughs) history. Like, walk me through that moment because that's that's Superman vibes right there. Like, eating. It was was dope because we went into that race not even knowing – what we were going to do because everybody of course had their own individual races that meet so everybody kind of had dead legs already and we just kind of threw a team together last second like hey we're just gonna go out here do whatever in it and uh, mm-hmm. i ended up being the anchor and i ended up getting a stick um either second or last or third or last we were pretty far behind and then super just them. kicked in just started <laughs> calling people in try to finish as close to the top as i could ended up getting like third in the heat or whatever and um Okay. We just looked up at the clock and saw that time, and we were like, oh, that's pretty fast. And then, you know, yeah. Baylor statistics guy, he pulled up the stats and saw it. Hey, y'all ran one of the top times, like, in school history. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, – it's funny because we didn't go into that meet trying to do anything at all with that race because everybody mm-hmm. had their own individual successes, but we still came together and pulled off that. So it was cool, man. It was fun. That's crazy because normally with that race, you wouldn't have, like, a plan coming in. So just that you <laughs> yeah, guys exactly. last minute everybody <laughs> – that's wild. Put it together, man. So now, like, how do you feel, like, since you walked into ESPN, killing it with the last dance, like, where do we go from here now? Mm-hmm. Shoot. We go into hiding. <laughs> you know, we, we, <laughs> now we, we, we go into our little hiatus, you know. Um, we just feel like we pushed out a lot of good quality content, original content, um, during this whole coronavirus quarantine pandemic. And, um, so now we just go back to the drawing boards. We start going back into research and development, just um, just fishing out ideas, potential ideas that we already had in the works and stuff that uh, might come to mind later. Just trying to see what could be potentially a good 30 for 30 or ESPN film for 2021, 2022. So um, we got some stuff um, in the works right now. I can't give out too much uh, information on those. Yeah, no, yeah, works, no but, previews. Um, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> hey, we, nah, not, no previews just yet, but we, we got some heat, man. It's going to be some stuff that... uh. I'm I'm leading on that uh, it might might be some classics, man. So we definitely got some stuff in the works, but for now we're just kind of just going through our development phase, just talking stuff out and pitching ideas and just seeing what lands, basically. So that's what we're doing for now. Right. We're about to take a break. I'm about to go back to Texas in a minute, so definitely uh, some time off. And you worked on that D Wade's documentary. The way you approached mm-hmm. that and the way you approached the Last Dance, 
was there any similarities or any differences as the way you position yourself? Yeah, it was definitely uh, some similarities. Um, of course, the whole thing with the Jordan thing was that they had a whole bunch of unseen footage and stuff before. Um, so that was kind of the same approach with the Dwayne Wade one. Uh, the team shot that film. Yeah, the dude that shot, shot the Wade uh, documentary, they had a whole bunch of footage from what they said, uh, 2004 up to like when he retired and stuff like that. So um, just that fact that they had all that footage just sitting, just sitting on all that old footage. Um, so they kind of leaned on that old footage to tell the story. And then as well as the stuff that I found and pulled from our archives and stuff. So um, those were a couple similarities for those films. But uh, working on the D-Wave one was pretty fun. I ended up flying to Chicago for All-Star Weekend and we did a private screening at his old high school. And the kids oh, didn't know right. that he was coming. He came in. So I did a little video for that showing their reaction and coming in there as watching the movie and stuff. And um, it was just cool being a part of that whole process just uh, from beginning to end. And um, just seeing the kids' reaction, seeing Dwayne Wade's reaction. Um, we held a private screening that night as well, the same night as that. And that's when, like, guys like Rick Ross and uh, Mario had showed up to the screen. And oh, stuff so he was like in this. the building with the team. Yeah, you're getting right. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. Up in there, man. But, yeah, it was, um, it was pretty well received. Loki might be an underrated one, too, in these next few years. It yeah. technically was a 30 for 30. It was ESPN film. And people like to say, oh, if it's an ESPN film, it's 30 for 30. But they're two kind of separate entities in their own. So mm-hmm. that's a fun fact for you guys. <laughs> yeah, nah, definitely. So, man, we definitely have to, you know, salute you. You know, give you a toast for everything that you've done so far. You yeah, being a great yeah. father and just, you know, breaking down these barriers. So to you, brother. Yes, sir. To more success. Appreciate you, boy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like excellence all yeah. around. Yeah, we appreciate y'all tuning in. The Robin Rod for Life podcast featuring Duran Grant. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. For life. like you in the league, only way the people paying. I started believing that I was one that wouldn't make it. That gave me more reason to question pictures people painted. I stopped giving a fuck.